Welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. We just spent four wonderful days in Madison, Wisconsin, covering this year's Division I Men's ITA National Indoor Championships. The ups and downs, the incredible level of play we saw, the momentum swings, all of the drama. We got a firsthand look, Chris Helios and I, doing the play-by-play throughout the weekend. Each day at the end of that day, I should say each morning, we recapped the previous day's action, previewed the days ahead we were about to see. We have not yet talked about that ITA final we saw where USC knocked off the Tar Heels of North Carolina 4-1 to take home another national indoor championship. We're going to recap that today, give our bigger takeaways, our all-tournament teams, most outstanding players, our top eight rankings coming out of the year's first national championship event, and joining me to do just that. Let's start with the guy who wasn't joining us in Madison. He's one of your favorite writers at our website, CrackedRackets.com, the former four-star recruit on TennisRecruiting.net, co-host of the Wednesday mini break podcast with Jamie McDonald and as we now like to say the older brother of Duke Nick Stokoyak Matt the cracks the Koyak Maddie hey great shot welcome back to the program how are you feeling oh, I'm feeling great man happy to be back on here with you guys but uh you know I, I definitely missed being up there in Madison I wish I was there with both you and Chris but shout out to you guys man it was phenomenal all weekend long I was trying to you know stream listen to your coverage uh, catch up on the scores when I could. So I was following along pretty much the entire time, and um, you guys sounded like you had a blast up there. So great job on that. I know all of our listeners you know, appreciated everything that you guys did up there. So um, let's get it rolling, man. I'm excited for this one. Oh, my gosh, Maddie. I'm blushing already. Yeah, the one thing you missed by not being up there, you didn't catch the illness. You were sick the week before. I seem to have caught whatever was going around the players. My voice, I'd say I'm 75% of the way back. I've got the passion, the energy to still rock and roll, um, but still getting over that. So I apologize for my sound. Joining us tonight, uh, a man who I have not seen in over 48 hours. I'm having separation anxiety. He's the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula predictions. Never far from the listed UTR. One of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames and of course the third member of our college tennis holy trinity when we recap an event such as this Chris Alliors Chris hey great shot how are you feeling after that weekend of action I am uh, feeling like today you know I, I just started to lose a little of my voice today uh, like you did uh, you know on on Sunday but uh, but n- nonetheless uh, I'm feeling good it was a great weekend a great long weekend a four-day weekend did your wife, when you came back, was she like, you have a mistress? No, she was sound asleep. Come on, who are we kidding? <laughs> she was like, I, I'm like, I, don't wake me up. <laughs> no, I, I'm considering sending her thank you flowers, but she'll be like, why, why is he sending me these? What happened while you were there? And I'll be like, no, 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 no. It's my way of saying thank you for letting him come. So that may be, maybe we'll get Dalton at the very least to send her one of our Cracked Rackets mugs, uh, which is the least we can say thank you to her. And of course, thank you to you. But yeah, we have... A, an event to discuss 16 of the top teams in the country gathering in one location for uh, the year's first national championship. The takeaways, the biggest surprises, biggest disappointments. We're going to try and cover all of that in this podcast, but the place we have to start with that national championship final, Chris and I, of course, on the call uh, for that match. And 
you know, we talked about it in our preview. North Carolina had been so good in doubles all week long. They were 3-0 and leading into the match. They were 10-0 and on the season. Heading into that final, Will Blumberg, Brian Cernock unranked, but they had looked as good, if not better, than any team had throughout the weekend. And, of course, they had a top-10 pairing in Kiger and Sondegard at 2, Seguin and Rinky, who were undefeated on the week at 3 doubles as well. You know, we had them as prohibitive favorites, particularly because going into that doubles point, USC had dropped doubles in two of their three matches. They dropped it to TCU in the round of 16, dropped it to Michigan in the semifinals. They happened to find four singles matches in all of those uh, affairs, and of course that looms large later on, but that UNC was the prohibitive favorite. USC came out. They got Brandon Holt back at the two doubles position. That obviously made the difference as they took that position there fairly comfortably, 6-2. Rinky Seguin did their thing. It came, you know, 6-2 at three doubles for the Tar Heels. It came down to the number one doubles position. And let's start with you, Matt, because you got to watch from afar. You know, as that match got tight, they were holding serve. There were no breaks in that set. Which way were you leaning as it was coming down to the finish line? And then ultimately, you know, that USC took the point. How surprised were you at that moment? Yeah, no, guys. I mean, I was surprised, right? Obviously, I would have heavily favored North Carolina in the doubles point for all those reasons that you just mentioned, Gruskin. And yeah, I mean, it was a court one was was an awesome set back, back and forth. Hold, hold, hold. Um, but going into that tiebreaker, I just felt like, you know what? Will and and Cernok are going to find a way to pull it out, get it done. I mean, they had done it all weekend. Um, And so I just figured, yeah, you know, the Tar Heels are going to take this point, go up one, and then they're going to find three singles matches. And they go up 5-2 in that tiebreaker, right? I mean, you guys are there on the call. At that point, I'm looking at this going, okay, 5-2, there is no way that they're dropping this set. And then all of a sudden, 5-3, 5-4, they get a couple of mini breaks back. And, and Kukerman and Riley Smith just didn't flinch. And for them to come back and take that tiebreaker 7-5, man, I mean, you guys would know better than I would since you were there in person. But, man, what a huge momentum swing right off the bat there with that first doubles point. So a couple of things to mention. As much credit as the Tar Heels deserve for their success in doubles throughout the weekend, Riley Smith and Daniel Kukerman were undefeated heading into the final. They were 3-0. and Yes, USC dropped doubles points, but they had yet to lose a set. And Riley Smith, 6-7, whatever he is, indoors that serve. It was dominant all weekend. These courts were playing fast. Everything was getting off the lines. You had the big serve. You were able to close. You were winning doubles sets. And so, you know, it's a credit to Kukerman and Smith. I don't think they faced many, if any, break points, maybe one or two. Uh, But you're right. For Cernok and Blumberg, they had been dominant. And Chris, you know, it felt throughout the match, Brian Cernok had missed a couple of backhands where, you know, Smith and Kukerman got two up at the net. But that first volley they would give back was a floater really to that Cernok backhand. And I think three or four in a row, he just kept hitting the tape. And so... Even though it was on serve, it didn't feel like the Tar Heels had control. And they, the most amazing part is they were up that 5-4 mini break, two serves on Will Blumberg's racket. And, Chris, they lost both points. Yeah, and, you know, Coach Macy even uh, mentioned uh, in the interview after the match that he thought, which, which I totally agree with, you know, Will had been hitting some great hard body serves. And he, I feel like he, he let, for as good as he played all weekend, he let them have an opportunity by slicing a couple in there and, you know, cut, I'll, I'll call it letting them get good returns back, right? But that first one to, to Riley, 
you know, Riley just drilled that retard across court. And yeah, I mean, I thought, I think they gave him a chance. I would have liked to see him just drill the, drill the hard body serve like he'd been, had been hitting prior to that. But yeah, I mean, that was the shocker there that their five, four will serve loses both of them and gives, gives the Trojans a chance to, to serve one point for the, for the set and the doubles point. Well, that 5-4 second serve, it was a kick, and Riley just got around it so quickly, unloaded a forehand, drew the first error. I mean, yeah, it was it was a sitter. He didn't play big. He went conservative in that moment, and it's a credit to Riley Smith who read that ball well, got around it to hit the forehand. But yeah, then the Trojans take the doubles point, and I mean, from where we were sitting, Chris, it did feel deflating, for the Tar Heels at least. Yeah, uh, yeah, there's... De- Definitely. And you could see, I mean, the, the biggest thing that happened as, as soon as that happened, though, is those guys got in that huddle and you saw Will Blumberg as animated as I've ever seen Will Blumberg for more than just a come on or, or he won a set. Right. I mean, he went probably 30 seconds in the middle of that huddle and we were, you know, probably 60 feet from it so we we couldn't hear the words but i would have sworn he was just lacing expletives at the you know i'm sure it was a very motivational speech but the body language made it look like he was i mean he was tearing into him but you know i'm sure it was all let's go this is not over we're gonna get this point but i mean i think you know they they definitely were uh you know there was there was definitely a sense of i think some urgency on their part at that point uh they knew it was going to be a tight one but uh, but USC was was loose. They were loose right from the get go, uh, even before the match started. And you know, Carolina looked like they at that point after losing the doubles, there was definitely they knew uh, they they had a task cut out for them. And it's so notable to use the word loose because that is the term to describe Coach Macy's team all day long. They came out on the court and. They were loose warming up for the match. They played loose and big in doubles. Then, you know, I think we have to give Coach Macy credit because not only does he play Brandon Holt in doubles, they get the win at two, but by sliding him up at one, yes, he lost that first set 6-0 to Will quite quickly and retired from there, but it pushed everyone down a spot, and we started doing the match calculus, and even beforehand we were saying, okay, let's say UNC gets the doubles. They still would have to probably get one. They'd probably have to get six, and then they really would have to get that Cernock match at four, and it's a credit to Coach Macy, Coach Quinta, Coach Bauman, that these Trojans came out and they won four first sets at the two through five positions. I mean, it, it was a great performance. And again, Matt, we could only see the matches in front of us, but, you know, for Bolas, for Dostinich at four and five at the bottom of the lineup, especially for Dostinich, who in that those first four games of that first set, he won three of the four deuce points in those four games. Uh, I mean, it was just what a performance from the freshman. Yeah, I mean, no question about it. And going into the singles, this is kind of how I was looking at it. I mean, we knew two and four were going to be, you know, a, a good chance for the Trojans to take those courts, right? But then you look at one, three, five, and six, and you're thinking, okay, Carolina still has a chance to win this match four to three if they can pick up those courts. Obviously, the Blumberg-Holt match was, you know, there's there's an asterisk by that one. That one we don't really count too much. Um, you know, for obvious reasons with Brandon Holt. But, you know, I look at the scores. I I mean, two and four, yes, we, you know, I'd favor USC, but man, not by that much. I mean, we're talking blowouts here. And then, and then for me, in my opinion, court five, Brian Cernock at number five should be a lock almost every single time. I mean, really, I think he should be playing up a spot at number four. 
Um, but it goes to show you when you're playing a team as good as USC, I mean, basically all of these matches are, are going to be toss-ups and you can't expect a lock anywhere. But the match that really kind of sticks out, man, is, is court five. Dostinich over Cernok one and four. I just, I did not see that one coming. And I still believe they had a bit of a hangover effect after the doubles. I think they were shocked a little bit by that result. UNC expected to win doubles, and when they didn't, I mean, boom, you're right back on the court for singles, and they obviously couldn't recover. Yeah, it's a testament to USC who came out and jumped on them after that doubles point, and it's my fault. I 100% jinxed Brian Cernok. I was ready to call him my most outstanding player. It fit my narrative of the Tar Heels winning the championship perfectly, and then that obviously backfired in my face, so my apologies to him. Um, But no, it's a credit to these Trojans. I mean, Chris, last year when you looked at the depth they had and it was like, oh, how are they ever going to lose a match three through six? I think it's why you pick them to win the national title because you have Holt Kukerman up top. That one, two can play with anyone when healthy. And then three through six, the depth they had was just incredible. Well, here, you know, they pull Ryder Jackson. They go with Bradley Fry, who obviously uh, must have shown his coach something in the doubles or some sort of form all week long. Maybe Ryder Jackson also a little bit sick Everyone at this point a little bit sick for all of these teams. Um, but, you know, the depth these Trojans have, it's its why they're dangerous come May. It's why they're going to be in the top three rankings, I think, for the rest of the year. Because even when they have one or two guys sick, you know, they can just fill in with spots seven and eight. And there's little to no drop off at the bottom of their lineup. Yeah, they've got they, they've got as much depth as anybody, more depth, I would say, than, than anybody in the nation. I mean, the only team that really... It comes close to mind with that many, you know, going nine, 10 deep with guys that, that are that quality is Florida. Uh, but, but yeah, they're, they're definitely going to be up there. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, it was a, in, in part, I had said, uh, you know, I had said during the broadcast that I thought if you knew you were giving up the free point with Holt because of their depth, I was in favor of pulling them and letting it everybody slide up the spot. They did it against Stanford, had no issues at all. Uh, and I would have thought, you know, you, you don't like to give up the free point. And with the quality they had, I, I say do it. And, and uh, you, you know, who knows how it would have turned out, how if you if they had done that. But obviously, Coach Macy making the right decision uh, in, in the way they played it. Well, that's why they pay him the big bucks, Chris, and that's why we're in the commentary booth. Yeah, it was a great call by Coach Macy, and obviously these Trojans now emerge with the 4-1 win. They get the title. It ends up being more bullish at four, who clinches 6-3-6-1 over Josh Peck. Also worth noting, Dostinich in that 5-4 service game was down 15-40, fought off three break points, and that's a Set gets back to five all. Well, you know, Sondergaard, it was 6 0. I think he was up a break 3 2. And then I think Cernok lost and things sort of flipped on Sondergaard and down that 3 0 deficit the way things were heading with Peck. You can understand, <coughs> excuse me, uh, how things could flip momentum wise for Simon Sondergaard. But, you know, Rinky and Riley Smith at three were still in the battle. Obviously, UNC got that point on the board with Will so quickly. Um, but, it's a credit to these Trojans. They really were the best team all weekend long. You named the deficit down 3-1 to Michigan, down first sets at 5 and 6 as well. Uh, they end up coming back winning there. They're down a doubles point to TCU in the round of 16. They come back, find four singles wins there. They go 4-0 over Stanford without their number one player. 
They were the best team, and they're a deserved champion. And now we can move on to the big picture stuff, and this is where the fun begins. I want to give our all-tournament teams. Chris and I obviously got to see so much action throughout the week. There were so many other results as well, as that's the top six, 16 of the top teams throughout the country competing in one place. So with that in mind, let's give our all-tournament teams the criteria slightly different than the ITAs in the ITA rules. If your team loses in the first match, they're not eligible for this. That's not the case for us. We got to see all these different players play by naming these all-tournament teams. I think we can also give some insight into the lineup strengths of a bunch of these contenders. We can talk about some of the contenders who you saw certain positions for them step up and you say, oh, this is an interesting thing to monitor moving forward. So with that in mind, Westoff, give me an all-tournament team sound effect, please. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Let's start there. Actually, let's start with the most outstanding player because I think we can all agree, hands down, it's got to be Daniel Kukerman, right, Matt? Yep, no question about it. I mean, the guy didn't lose, right? He goes 4-0 in dubs, 4-0 in singles. He had to slide up in that one match where they pulled uh, Holt, played number one against Stanford and, and rocked Axel Geller, I believe. So he was just by far the most outstanding player. His team won the title. And it was really a lot of it, you know, thanks to Daniel Kukerman. So absolutely, he's the clear choice. Yeah, and I mean, you talked about him stepping up as well uh, to that one singles position. He also flipped that match versus Styler in the semifinals. He lost that first set 6-1, had a bunch of chances to get broken early on in set number two. Styler could have run away with that one, and that would have been point number four. But he flipped the script, got the job done. Chris, I agree. I think he lived up to that number one ranking in the country uh, this, this past weekend. Uh, no no question, far and away the most impressive player at the tournament. Yeah, so that's our hands-down most outstanding player. Now it gets interesting. Six singles position, three doubles positions. Uh, Matt, you want to start with your team? Yeah, absolutely. Should we start with dubs? Uh, let's start with the dubs. Give me your one, two, and three. All right, one, two, and three. At one doubles, I think this one is a pretty clear choice. We mentioned them before, but Cookerman-Smith. Um, they go 4-0 at that top uh, doubles position. They were great all weekend. And I do – I have to give another shout-out to Coach Macy, guys, because – Here we go. I was I waiting saying, to see if – I was waiting to see if you are going to own up to this. Yeah, I was going to own up to this, right? So earlier this year, I talked about how for sure I would have had Riley Smith playing doubles with Brandon Holt, right? I, I said they would be a top-five team all year. Throw them at number one for sure. You're going to win a ton of matches, but – Again, you mentioned it, Gruskin. This is why, you know, we sit in the commentary box and don't get paid like these coaches do. Um, Kukerman and Smith were, were phenomenal all weekend long. So to me, clearly uh, the, the choice at number one doubles. Now, number two, this is going to be a shout out to your Michigan Wolverines, Gruskin. Andre Styler and Connor Johnston. Okay. Michigan played outstanding doubles all weekend. I mean, they were, they were really phenomenal. I mean, we, we knew going into it, they were a good doubles team. But I think, you know, going to Madison and playing all of these top-ranked teams, they really showed they are a premier doubles squad in the country. Andre Styler, Connor Johnston go 2-1 and one on the weekend. They were really, really good. For me, 
that's my number two squad. And then number three, pretty easy choice again. I'm going to go back to the Tar Heels. Rinky Hijikata and Ben Seguin go 3-0 and on the weekend. They just played, you know, really well at that number three position. I mean, when you, when you talk about them at number three, it's almost unfair, you know, that they're the number three team. I mean, a ton of teams would like them playing number one doubles. Um, so for me, number one and three were pretty clear cut there. Two came down to feel, and I just felt like Michigan deserves some props for the doubles that they played. Shout out to Styler and Johnston. Chris, I would have let you go, but Matt and I have the exact same lineup, so I just want to add to that. At the number one position, we should mention, and I gave them an honorable mention on my team, Blumberg and Cernok were two Will Blumberg serves away from being the number one doubles team hands down. Uh, they yep. were that impressive in matches one through three on the weekend. You know, Will makes a first serve at that 5-4 point. Now it's 6-4. Who knows what happens? Who knows the confidence Brian Cernok plays with in singles if he had just clinched the doubles point for his team in a national title match? That was one of those moments you put a pin in and you're like, okay, this could have swung a lot of things this season just from a confidence standpoint. But Blumberg and Cernok are that good at the number one doubles position. I went with Styler and Johnston at two as well. I almost went with John and Paralek for TCU. I thought they were really good this week as well. And, you know, TCU, I think, won all three doubles points that they competed in. So it's worth mentioning uh, how good they were. But, yeah, Styler Johnston step up to the one doubles position against Texas. They get a win there against UNC. They made it look easy um, in that match. Andre Styler, we'll get to him more later. But, yeah, one of my more impressive. And then Seguin Rinky, hands down. Chris, anything to add? Well, you stole my two. I was not going Johnston Styler. I was going Paralek and Jong. Um, that, that's my two team. And I'm not going hands down at three for Sagin and Hijikata. I'm going co co champions at three with Sagin and Hijikata and Kruger and Famba. Oh, wow. all right, Chris the Horn Frog here. Let's just call him Chris the, the Horn Frog. No, Rodidi worked them this weekend. There's no they, denying they took that. down USC just just like the just like North you know the North Carolina guys. Actually, I don't even know if that yeah that match finished right. Yeah, so but yeah they they were tremendous this weekend, uh, which was okay, a shock but, to me because the TC, TCU has not been uh, you know recently a great doubles team. So that was I mean I, I, it was very surprising uh, that they to me coming in that they played that well in dubs. Okay, can I give the counter to that is for Seguin and Rinky why it is clear cut. Do you remember that South Carolina match, Chris? Do you oh. remember that Florida match? How quickly they were over? Yeah, they were six love, six one their first two. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, I just feel like we needed a UNC representative, and Seguin and Hijikata in doubles are, are just the one you have to pick. But yeah, TC was that good, and Sander Jong, we'll talk about him in singles. I'll give you a sneak preview. He appears in my lineup. Uh, but Matt, let's start with you again. You're all tournament singles team. And let's go yeah. position by position so we can litigate them. All right, so starting at number one? Do it. All right, uh, Will Blumberg. I mean, this one was pretty clear cut to me. I, I just thought, Will, this was the Will Blumberg that we've been waiting to see, right? This year, we knew injury issues in the past. We wanted to see him, you know, get through those. I think he has. He looked really good. 3-0 and on the weekend. Um, he had one DNF, I believe. Um, but overall, I mean, this was the Will Blumberg that I wanted to see. For me, pretty clear cut here um, as my number one choice. So... Chris, we'll go. Actually, Chris, you, go ahead. Yeah, I, 
no, no doubt it's, it's Will Blumberg. But but I will say I, I have there are a couple spots where I get a couple guys in there. I also have to say, you know, Blumberg, I still give it to him just because of how dominant he was, although he was trailing a break in the third in the match to McNally. And the other guy that was just outstanding, three and zero at number one, was Andrew Fenty. Uh, I mean, he was he was great. He didn't get to play the extra match, but he also didn't get to be down a break in the third in a match that didn't didn't finish. So, so I get both of those guys for me. So, what makes me so happy to hear Matt say how good Will Blumberg looked from afar is because we raved about him all weekend. I was asked if I needed a towel after that Will Blumberg performance, I think in their second match against Florida against Oliver Crawford because he was that dominant. And when the serve and forehand are on indoors as well, I mean, you're right. He looks healthy. He looks confident. This is the Will Blumberg who was number one in the country for the duration of his sophomore year who made the NCAA singles finals. I've talked about that at length. He's my pick for number one because (laughs) when it's working for him, it just looks that good. But my honorable mentions, a couple I have to throw in there because they loom large as well. Uh, You talked about Andrew Fenty. I don't need to go on any further. We'll talk about Michigan, I'm sure. But the sophomore is making a leap. There's no denying that. The confidence those Wolverines were playing up top, it's why they were able to make the semifinals. Fenty looked that good. Have to give another shout-out to the effort Brandon Holt gave. He was sick as a dog. That guy, I mean, just for him to be standing on court giving an hour, hour and a half of effort, that TCU match in particular, I think he had match point on Alistair Gray, and he was nowhere near even 80%. So what an effort by him. That's what you expect out of a senior leader on your national championship team. And, you know, the coaches as well as Daniel Kukerman talked about that in the our interviews with them after the final, all of which you can see on YouTube at Cracked Rackets or on our website, CrackedRackets.com. But the last honorable mention for me at the one singles position, Barbotzer, who balled out. He beats, uh, I believe, who played one? He beats Matthias Soto to clinch that wake match over Baylor. He beats McNally to put it at, I don't know if that was three all at the time, but certainly a point on the board in the three all match. I think in their last match against Florida, he and Crawford were still battling at the time that match finished. He's got it, and I know he's 25 years old, and sure, you can make all the jokes you want, but he's also one of those few players left in college tennis with who's played in and won a national championship match. It's him, it's Soderlund, it's Ito, it's Siskard, that's it. And it's in that DNA. He just looks a cut above. I mean, he just looks like he's a winner. He's ready for that prime time when the pressure's on. What do you guys think about that? have much to add to that i mean i'm glad you made those comments i I like those guys as well i mean when we're looking at the number one players but if you got to pick one i mean to me i'm I'm still rocking with with will blumberg yeah i I don't have any issue with with it i mean bots are played he he played great uh during the week he just didn't you know i would say it's it's one of those cases where it was hard just because they weren't in the big matches, right? The team goes one and two. They're not playing primetime court. So it was, you know, we just didn't get to see as much of them. But and we did, We could kind of see, because they were on, on the court that was where we could see uh, the, the Florida match, he and Crawford just going all out bad. I think they had split sets, and they may have just gone to the third uh, when that match finished. They were having they were having an all-out war. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he played he played great. I'm just saying, rankings-wise, pro circuit results-wise, recently, he may not have the you know flash of the Blumbergs of the Riffuses, uh, but 
he belongs in that upper echelon of college tennis players, and I was really impressed by this Wake Forest team. All right, Maddie, I think we can all agree, number two, Daniel Kukerman, hands down. Yeah, that that's obvious choice. None of us are going to have anything other than that, or else I'll just leave the pod now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I would say wins over Famba, Geller, Styler, Seguin. He looked that good. My honorable mentions were Andre Styler, who, you know, I what was it? He clinched the match against Ole Miss. He clinched the match against Texas A&M. He beats Siskard against Texas. He was up on Kukerman, 6-1 first set, played so well. The freshman's legit. Cannon Kingsley for Ohio State, he's as legit as can be as well. Was all over Seguin and flipped the script in the third set of that semifinal. Alex Rothsart might be better than anyone else at two singles. And, of course, you haven't even mentioned Sam Riffis yet. So that two singles position, it's stacked. I would say all of these teams, Chris, top two, they're all legit. Oh, yeah, and Stylers look great. Here's the only thing that's puzzling me about the, the whole Styler conversation that, that you're having there. You, you've watched him play. He hits the ball a ton. Connor Johnston does not hit the ball a ton. How in the world is Styler ending up the last man on every match? I can't, <laughs> I can't figure it out. Like, the Johnston match should be 30 minutes longer than a Styler match. <laughs> I don't well, understand how Styler finds I can answer this. on the court last every time. It's because Connor Johnston comes to the net. He moves forward. He plays yeah. quicker than you expect. But he also is on the court a lot. They're always in the last two to finish. Yeah. Plus, Styler just likes the big moments. I think he's like, yeah. <laughs> don't worry, guys. I'll clinch this one. I'll stay on. Just I'm doing this so that you don't have to face that sort of pressure. Uh, but no, two singles really stacked. Three singles, it's interesting because no one really stood out. And again, what I think is so interesting about going through these positions is the top two, you, you can see which team stands out. You know, that uh, for, I think, you know, Blumberg and, and or for Michigan, they have Fenty and Styler to build around. That's huge. Obviously, Ito Siskard, that's huge. Kukerman Holt went healthy. That's huge. Uh, Alex Rothsart at two. That's going to help Stanford if Axel Geller can get his act together. But three singles, four singles, those were always toss-ups to me. I don't think anyone stands out in the middle of the lineup. So I'm curious, you know, for me, it was Riley Smith this weekend who went 2-0-2, I think, wins over Seymour Paralek, was losing but didn't finish against Rothsart at two and was up against Rinky in the third. I think he has to be the pick, but it's a wide-open position. Yeah, no, for me, this one was tough, but I got to go with with uh, co-representatives here for number three, and and Smith is one of them, like you mentioned, Gruskin, goes, you know, 2-0, he has the two DNFs, Um, but also Rinky, man. Rinky Hijikata really impressed me. He had a couple of really, really good matches same record as as um, as Smith. So two two and zero oh with two DNFs, and obviously they were playing each other, and that match was a battle. So for me, these were the two best teams in the tournament, and at that number three position, these guys were both really really good all weekend long. I mean, when you're not losing a match, I mean, if you can just extend and go unfinished, with both uh, both of these guys did. You know, and then, of course, they pick up their two wins. I I was really impressed with the freshman uh, for UNC and the senior for the Trojans. 
I think that's an important point, and again, why I want to map this out, because match, match calculus moving forward for the Tar Heels. It's get the doubles point. You probably expect Rinky to always get a win at three. That's two points on the board. That is something to take away for Riley Smith. I think you have to talk about the fact we were indoors, but, I mean, he balled out all weekend long. So, Chris, I'm curious your pick. Also curious what you think of my honorable mention, the only other guy I'd throw in here, and it's why, again, I like this Wake team. Taha Badi, who had, I think he went the distance with Duarte Valle in that Florida match, but was 2-0 in the build-up to that, beats Ohio State, beats Baylor. Uh, he looks good, and the depth for Wake looks really good as well. Yeah, he did He did look good. He looked really, really good against Boulay from Ohio State. I mean, just took him apart. Um, but uh, yeah, and he, he lost that match to Badi. I'd say... Uh, I, I Well, first of all, I give it to Riley Smith. My my leading two were the same, were Riley and Hijikata, and, and Riley, you know, wins the first set in that match. So you got to give you got to give the advantage to him. Both guys went two and zero on the weekend with two matches unfinished. Um, and the, the other honorable mention I'll throw in there, um, even though the maybe the, the he didn't lose and they weren't the prettiest. But Daniel Rodriguez from South Carolina. The last match was not a pretty one with Wisconsin, but he, you know, he got himself squared away and came back and won. He was the the only win for them in singles against uh, Columbia. Uh, And, uh, you know, he was, he had a, I think he had a good weekend. Um, But he's also, to me, I think it, it, it almost feels a little dirty because he's been two and Lambling's been three the whole time. And now all of a sudden they've swapped him. So it's almost, He's got to feel like maybe he's getting one slightly better spot for him, but but no, he's still he's going to be a really solid three for them. Yeah, I think that's a match calculus for South Carolina for sure. Is they want to win you know three singles in every match they're competing in because they have a top fifty player in the country right now by what ranking in that position. Um, all right. I'm going to go first for the four singles position because this is my controversial take. I felt like, given the way the weekend went, there had to be some sort of Michigan starter in the lineup in singles. And I wanted to go Fenty, but I just couldn't put him there over Blumberg, especially because of how you know fawningly I've talked about Will, but he did look that good. Uh, I wanted to put, you know, I, it's just, you know, I thought about Styler, but Kukerman beat him, beat him, beat him, Kuk- him. Kukerman, Kukerman's the most outstanding player. It's got to be him there, too. But the combination of Connor Johnston and Nick Beattie at the four singles position, yes, they went two and one. Uh, Johnston lost to Noah Schechter in that round of 16. But when Beattie beat Texas, no Matthias Seymour, he knocks out Spaziri in straight and then the next day, and yeah, straight leave that in, Westoff, because that's what it was like watching it for me. It was just wonderful stuff. Uh, but, you know, for them to get that, and Johnston then knocks out more bolus as well against USC. The, that senior leadership, those two seniors stepping up for the Wolverines, it's why they had the, that extra bonus. Because Fenty and Styler were always able to compete with anyone, but it's the depth. We're like, where are the Wolverines, even if they get doubles, even if they get the top two, where do they find point number three? And it was always one of Beattie or Johnston getting the job done. And that's why I didn't give it to Moore Bullis, who has a claim, but he lost that match to Michigan. I didn't give it to Kyle Selig, who of course is the best four singles player in the country, uh, but just the way he didn't have a good first match and then didn't or did finish against Estafalu, but you know that was really the last match for them. Um, and I, I didn't want to give it to Estafalu, but I wanted to throw him on there because again, if you want to talk about a guy who you're just like, hey, don't win, don't lose, just stay on the court for us. That's Melios Estafalu. But Maddie, your thoughts on that pick for four singles? 
Yeah, I, I like a lot of what you just said there, Gruskin. I'm going to disagree just a little bit. I mean, you know, whenever you think of number four singles, for me, I think of Kyle Seelig, like you mentioned. He's going to be the best number four, right? But in this case, I just I can't give him the nod here. He goes 1-0. and um, Like you mentioned, with two DNFs, that's just – that's not going to do it. Um, I wish he would have finished those matches and gone 3-0. and But um, look – Michigan was great. We've talked about them. I had to get them represented in the doubles. I just, I can't do it here in the singles. I'm still going to give number four to more bullets. And I know we lost that match to Connor Johnston at number four, blah, 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 whatever. Look, he goes three and one. He moved up a position when, when Holt went out and he still won his match. Um, he had that minor blip against Connor Johnston. Yeah, maybe that wasn't such a great loss, but you know, when we think about it, Connor Johnson played really well. You know, Gruskin, you're giving him the nod as your number four player um, on your all tournament team. So I, I just think three and one overall, including the tournament clincher against UNC over Josh Peck, to me, I just think he deserves it. So I'll, I'll go with more bullets. Yeah, and just to reiterate, if I had my pick, you say, Alex, you get to pick any four singles from across the country for one match. It's going to yes, be Kyle I, Seeley. I agree. Who, you're right. You know, yeah, and I and I completely agree with that. But I just, I don't know. Chris, What? why I put the combination of Johnson and Beattie is because what I learned from this Michigan team, and they're the loudest team in the building always, and I talked about this with Chris. One of the funniest parts of the entire weekend was when the Michigan team tweeted out, hey, in the commentary booth, these commentators said Michigan's the loudest team here. And it's like, do you realize who said that? Like, do you understand like, you're literally just citing yourself. You're like, hey, guess what we said on the broadcast as the Michigan man. It was just, it was funny to me. Um, but I, I, I just, what it shows me is with the senior leadership, I mean, Coach Steinberg has his team bought in. And that they, it's what, why I put them here is because this is really symbolic of you think you can hold Michigan to a doubles point and only two singles wins. You're wrong. They're scrappy throughout the lineup. They're going to find that third win. Yeah. And, and I, I can't disagree with anything any of you guys said. If you tell me to pick one guy for a match at four singles in the country, I'll take Kyle Seelig. But again, for the same point that Maddie said, he only wins one match there. Two of them go unfinished. You know, he didn't lose any, but it's like, I can't give it to him. I'm with Gruskin here. I, I gave it to Connor Johnston and I gave it to Connor wow. Johnston. Let's go. Because he won the match against. USC straight up. And I had, so I had, and I have four, I had four guys listed. So I had three, those same three, you all mentioned, you know, another honorable mention, but so I have, have Bolas there as an honorable mention and yeah, he clinched it, but come on, there's no way he was losing that match to Josh Peck and, and Johnston. I, I just can't get away from the fact that he beat him in the head to head match. So, you know, for the, for the body of work of just that tournament, I say Connor Johnston and the other guy I'll throw, uh, Throw an honorable mention too is Columbia's Adam Ambrosi. He had a oh great. He had a great God. tournament. Two two and oh, one match unfinished at, at at four for them. That's a really good call. I'm glad you threw in a Columbia player because the takeaway is they're legit. You know, in that cluster of eight, uh, we'll say six through fourteen, six through thirteen, they belong in that conversation a hundred percent. So good call by you. Hey, great shot. Um, all right. Number five position. I think this is another easy one, so I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It's Stefan Dostinich, who goes 3-0-1. Uh, all of his wins came at the five singles position. 
His only not finish came when he stepped up and played four against Stanford, although I believe he was leading in the third set of this match. Why this is important. Uh, this speaks to the depth of USC. Stefan Dostinich, the incredibly talented freshman at five singles. I mean, got, getting to see him play that forehand, how physically gifted he is. The Trojans are strong at the bottom, Matt. Yeah, no, they definitely are. This, this to me, was an easy choice again. Didn't have to think about it too long. I mean, the freshman Dostinich played better than... And I thought he really would have. I mean, that incredible match against Michigan. And then, you know, to beat a guy like Brian Cernock at number five, to me, that that holds a lot of weight, in my opinion, especially in a championship match over a guy like that. So, you know, to go 3-0 and for me, easy call. Great job by the freshman. Yeah, it speaks to the strength. You know, Dostinich, Jackson, Fry, at the, um, whom was Jake Sands at that 5-8 through eight positions. Trojans are going to be miserable to deal with for their opponents all season long. Chris, Dostinich was one of the standouts. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he was, he was outstanding all tournament long, and we didn't really know how outstanding until he played Brian Sarnock. And that just, you know, that was the icing right there. Well, Nick Beatty was walking around with his let's be clear, just the entire time was swinging over the shoulder. Like, that's how confident he was. It's just really, I mean, and he deserved it because he was beating everyone at the bottom. And, you know, and then he played Dostinich, and Dostinich was down a set, and he flipped the script. And just to get that win and then to come through the way he did against Cernok as well, I mean, that's clutch for the freshman. And so... On, on those two wins alone, deserving of this spot. All right, now comes my most interesting spot. And I'm, again, I apologize, gentlemen. I'm going to go first here. I went with Sander Jong for TCU, who, when we talked to Coach Rodin, and you can catch that interview on the Cracked Interviews podcast. You can see the live video of us recording it on YouTube. <coughs> Excuse me. I mean, he said going into the weekend, I was not planning on playing Sander Jong. And I believe it was Paralek who was injured, so he wasn't in the lineup all – or not Paralek, who was it? Jurasek, excuse me. Um, and he was thinking, I don't know who I'm going to go with at six. <laughs> and he ended up saying, because Sander Jong played so well in the doubles against USC, he was like, you know what? I'm going to go with Sander. And Sander rewarded him. He goes 3-0 and at the position on the weekend. TCU gets two desperately – needed wins against Texas A&M, against, I'm trying to think, who did they beat in their second match? TCU ended up beating NC State 4-0. <coughs> Excuse me, in that second match. We're down the home stretch. We're going to have to wrap this up soon. I think I'm dying. Um, but for Sander Chong, I mean, he is symbolic of the depth this TCU team has, that they have so many options, five through eight, and when they can find the right combination, look out at the bottom of their lineup because they can compete with all of the top teams in the country. They may be one of those few teams that can match the depth through the seven, through the eight position of the USC's, of the Floridas of the world. And if they start to hit their stride, Chris, you talked, we were sort of talking about it off mic. I don't know if we said this on mic as well, but you know, for TCU, maybe the, the goalposts have adjusted and now it's really just about winning that big 12 conference, but they can certainly do it. And it helps when Sander Jong is performing like this. Yeah. I mean, they're going to have, he's, you know, Rodini's got a heck of a uh, heck of a lineup decision to wrestle with now every day because they really do have seven guys there, and to, for him to have to decide down for you know really where he's making his decision at this point is five five six seven between Sander Jong, Burtis Kruger, and Thomas Jirsek, and it's I mean you know 
hope you pick the right ones and maybe you can't pick the wrong ones on most days, but uh, you know, maybe they all win, but yeah, heck, heck of a problem to have. Yeah. Maddie, your thoughts on the number six position. Yeah, I, I like what you mentioned there about Sandra Jong. That's a good pick guys. Um, mine was a little bit different. I've got mine written down here. I'm going to go with uh Cleve Harper of Texas who goes another good yep, pick. You know, on the weekend, all of his matches were in straight sets, by the way. So he didn't drop a set um, against Stanford, UCLA or Michigan. So I just thought, you know, a, a guy that we haven't seen too much of yet. Um, this is really his first year playing uh, college tennis. I think he's a redshirt freshman. So um, I was impressed. I mean, for him to get through those, those matches all in straight sets pretty comfortably, you know, he didn't lose. I think he's uh, worthy of my all-tournament team at the number six position. I also think this number six position is one of the toss-ups. I think as we get towards NCAs, you're projecting quarterfinals, semifinals, finals. It's going to be whoever wins the six singles yep. position wins the matches because so many of these teams have different options. That's one of the things I learned this weekend. I think it's safe to say you guys uh, are echoing those sentiments as well. So those are all our all tournament teams. Uh, hopefully you guys were able to learn the rundown, who shined, who didn't. Uh, now let's get into the bigger takeaways, the biggest surprises on the weekend. Maybe the teams who stood out in ways you didn't expect. Matty, I want to start with you. Your biggest surprise. Yeah, biggest surprise. And I'm not going to go with any individuals. I'm not going to single anybody out. But as a team, uh, Michigan for sure, right? I mean, I know I picked them in that first match against A&M for the 4-3 upset. But I just, I didn't see them making a run like this all the way to the semis. They could have, should have, would have beaten USC, who ends up being the eventual champion in that match. We know how phenomenal of a match that was. Um, and again, we had talked about Michigan coming in. Yes, a very good doubles team. You know, we, we knew they could stack up there, but in singles, I just felt like they were going to get overmatched with these teams. I mean, we talk about UTR a lot and, and looking at, you know, who stacks up and the, the, the favorites on paper. And it seemed like every match, Michigan was just the underdog at every single position, yet they came through time and time again. Doubles, singles, you name it. So, I mean, to, to go over A&M 4-3 and then come back and beat Texas the next day 4-2, then you're on the brink. I mean, literally, if Andre Styler could, could have just, I mean, a couple of points go his way, he's going to beat Daniel Kukerman and, and the Wolverines are in the final. That was such an awesome match. You guys did great on the call, by the way. Um, I just think, for me, they were the biggest surprise in a positive way, for sure. Yeah, I, I think that's completely fair. And look, that Texas match showed me so much. It was We said they need the doubles. They lose the doubles. No Seymour in the lineup. No Maloney in the lineup. And they still take the top four. And yes, Seymour all deep injured. We talked about that in our day recap, that decision to play him, whether it was good or not. We don't have to relitigate that, but... Absolutely. The Wolverines showed you something, and it's indoors. You have to factor that in. But what we learned is, A, when Fenty and Seymour are healthy up top, Johnston, Styler at two, you know, even Maloney and Brown at three, this is one of the best doubles points in the country uh, for the Wolverines. Two, Fenty and Styler, they can p- compete with anyone on their best day. Andre Styler may be the most talented freshman in the country. With And, you know, Cannon Kingsley, there, there are so many who are right up there as well, but he's in the conversation for sure. Yeah, I I don't even know what else to add about the Wolverines. I feel like I'll go on too much, but I'll say this. It was agonizing. One of my biggest surprises that I didn't blow a gasket 
or you know didn't say something totally inappropriate during that Michigan call because I was feeling it in the booth. Chris can attest to this. I was standing up like I was not sitting down. Uh, but any final thoughts you'd add to that on the Wolverines, Chris? No, I mean that from a team standpoint, definitely the biggest biggest surprise from on the upside. Who had who came closer to a heart attack? You think Mir Steiny? Oh, I, I don't know. This Steiny came close to heart. I, 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 he's a pacer. I think if anybody was close to a heart attack in that match, it was actually Macy. I mean, <laughs> he was he was I mean he was legitimately sweating it at three one down. He was looking around, going. Well, I'm not going to repeat what he said to us off air, but yeah, he's looking around like, "Holy cow, we're you know this isn't this isn't exactly how we drew this one up, right?" But uh, yeah, I mean, Michigan definitely you know definitely had had them on the ropes, uh, and I'll say, and I'll just throw in that you know I know Maddie didn't want to go with with individuals, but on the, on the upside surprise for me, uh, I go with Dastanich for for USC at five. I mean that for a freshman with what he did. Uh, and not having been able to see him play before, definitely my big surprise, uh, you know, on the upside for the weekend from, from an individual. Yeah, all right. I got a bunch, and you guys can comment and add if you have any more after. We talked about Michigan. We talked about TCU, who goes 2-1. and one. I do think they've flipped the switch. Um, I think we're about to see a really good run from Coach Roditi's very young team as well. Um, in terms of other teams that stood out, how about this Columbia team? 4-2 over South Carolina, 4-2 over Baylor. You know, Matt, they're le- I know it's indoors, but they're legitimately a top 13 threat. Like, if they got a top 8 seed, it's a stretch, although given where Harvard's at in the rankings right now, given I think where Princeton, or not Princeton, excuse me, Cornell is as well, they're a sneaky threat for top 8. Yeah, they are. And again, when we start playing outdoors, Columbia tends to fade just a little bit. I mean, this is the time of year where they typically make their move. But yeah, indoors, I mean, right now, to me, and I, I'm sure we'll get into the rankings here in just a little bit. I won't spoil it. But but yeah, I mean, when you're talking top eight, Columbia was was very impressive, and, and they are a very good indoor team. Chris, we didn't get to see them that often. They were never on our broadcast courts, but your thoughts on the line? Yeah. Oh, I they had a great weekend. I just wish, you know, there's, there's almost like, I feel like there's almost like a little asterisk at not for any of their doing, but next to everything, it's like their whole season, right? Everybody goes, oh, you don't give them respect. You call them an indoor team. And then they come here and they play Baylor. Okay, everybody's going to put an asterisk next to a Baylor match. Uh, and then South Carolina, who was clearly not playing well this weekend. So, but, you know, nothing they can do about it. You got to play who they throw in front of you. Um, but, you know, and they got beat up by, by Florida. But no, they're they are an absolute as for the reasons you mentioned, they are a legitimate top eight threat if those other teams can hang on. And the problem for the Ivy League schools is always the fact that they they get their chance now to play these out of conference matches. Once they get in conference, yeah. they just don't get the opportunities for the points. It will help now that there are three of them ranked well up there, plus Princeton, uh, to throw in their four the conference season plus Dartmouth. Yeah. 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 So it's, you know, they're going to have some chances there, but it's still tough. You know, coming by the points uh, is always tough for these guys. And they though have, I know coach Roditi said, 
I think it was Coach Roditi that said uh, Columbia was coming. Yeah, Columbia does go to Texas. They go to, uh, get this, they're going to have their chances. They go to Texas, to Baylor, to TCU. That's a fun spring break. Yeah, so they do that in a span of in in a span of a week uh, in March. So we'll see if that's a fun spring break. That that's yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. So so that I mean that will make or break their chances for their top eight seed right there. Right? They they win three, they're a top eight seed. They win two, uh, probably very very. I mean, I'd say really really good chance with what they're going to get in point wise out of their Ivy League season. They win one, no. Well, th- what I'm saying is after this weekend, I'm tuning into that spring break because oh, that sure. is a top eight seed make a break thing. Yeah, absolutely. We want to see more of these guys. Yeah, so that was one of my bigger surprises now in terms of other little things. And from here, it'll get, you know, how good Will Blumberg is when he's on. I, I had seen him play before, but last season he was so injured or clearly still coming back from injury at that national indoors. This is one of the most, if not the most talented kid to enter town. Ta- uh, college tennis since Steve Johnson. The forehand, the serve, they were that good went on. Chris, I think you echo that point as well, uh, given what we saw in the booth. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, amazing. When he's on, there's, yeah, you're, you're just looking going, what can you do? I mean, and that's why we thought Carolina, it's like, well, they have the best player, the best doubles. It's like they're the prohibitive favorite. And it's a testament, again, to USC's effort. But it's not because Will Blumberg wasn't playing his best tennis. If you can't hear me from the pod, one of my other surprises, how easy it is to get sick. I mean, man, you like slap hands with like three or four players and you can't speak on Sunday and Monday. And like, that's what I've learned is from now on, be less friendly, be less popular, guys. We got to stop talking to all these players. This is the best humble brag of all time. I got the same illness as the players because we were there in person this week. Um, But that was a surprise. I was like, I thought I'm 24. My immune system built up. The joke's on me. You know, still Ashkenazi, still not the strongest immune system. How fast I – I would see how fast I could Google Ashkenazi if I could spell it. <laughs> well, um, yeah, we can leave that there. I mean, again, which leads me to my next biggest surprise, A, that you, me, and Westoff, Chris, are still on speaking terms, and B, that we didn't say something stupid. Great shot by you. Yeah, I mean, not only were we still on speaking terms, we, like, talked on the phone on the drive home. Yeah, as, <laughs> as if it wasn't enough, we had to have more. Yeah, no. Yeah, this great time. No, I was gonna say you throw in the surprises. I talked to you guys, and no specifics here, um, but I talked to you guys about my pregame rituals. Chris, you got a firsthand look. I'm sure that was a big surprise for you. Is how legitimate my pregame ritual yeah, is. Yeah, that's a, that's a legit ritual, man. I mean, we, we now have people at home picturing like you know some some weird underwear. I mean, I don't know where they're going, but yeah, until you, you got to live with Gruskin someday to see the pregame ritual. Yeah. We'll say this, it involves Ruth. Um, we can leave oh, that you, there. You, you killed her. That's it. Oh, rest in peace, Ruth. Oh. Um, all right, that's my last one. Last two, and these are uh, one serious, one less serious. Well, it's such a surprise, and we got the chance to talk to all of these coaches in our college contender series. And again, Maddie, I apologize because this is one of those things that you can only see when you're in person and really see these coaches interacting with their players. How clearly clear it is that these teams reflect the personality of their coaches. Case in point, that Wake Forest-Ohio State match. Wake Forest, cool as a cucumber. Tony Bresky, you never see him sweat. The guy's always pumped up. He's always positive. Ty Tucker's on your 
you know, Ty Tucker, you don't have a second to breathe. You know, he is so focused, so locked in, so like determined to win at all costs. And I'm not going to say his players play tight because that's just not the case. Um, but there's no doubt that, you know, they're just more intense. They're, they play with such focus uh, versus the relaxed attitude of, say, even the coach Macy, coach Quinta in the final, how laid back they were. And you could see their team in the morning warmups, just, they came out loose. They came out aggressive. Um, those sorts of things matter. And again, I'm not saying that I prefer one style or another. Clearly the intensity coach Tucker plays with speaks for itself. No one's going to get more out of his player than Ty Tucker. Uh, but it's also clear that other styles work as well. And I guess, Chris, that was the shock to me. These teams really are a reflection of their coaches. Oh yeah, I mean you de- you can definitely see that. And to your point, you, you, there's all kinds of styles that work. And you know, hopefully, the kids that know you know what you know, that's what they're looking for when they're going on these recruiting trips, right? They know what kind of what kind what they respond to, right? It's the old classic, uh, you know, basketball. Do you want to go play for Coach K? Or do you want to go play for Bobby Knight? Right? Completely different styles. Some kids like one style, and some like the other. And and yeah, they both know how to get the most out of their kids uh, in and the way that those kids respond to them. But then it's fun. It's it's just fun watching them in all of the styles, especially especially when they conflict with each other in person. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, without a doubt. Again, these coaches are half the personality. It's why if you have a college near you, go watch because every part of a college tennis match is entertaining. All right, my last one, the biggest surprise of the tournament. We, we celebrated in the moment. Westoff, give me a drum roll, please. Wisconsin won a point, Chris. Uh, <laughs> that was, yeah, we were we were saying, hey, man, we hope they can get a point and it doesn't go 12-0. And that match against South Carolina, even though it had, they, they, were, la- they were as loud as probably any of the others when it started coming down to the end of that doubles point, but it was the smallest of the crowds be, uh, for them being you know a, a Sunday night match but but those they got loud and those Wisconsin guys were into it you know everybody else by that point it's the last the third night last night you know it's a long long weekend they're at home and they got the home crowd and they were just still psyched to win a point and not only did they win the point they come out and win three first sets and look like wow this is going to be a match, but yeah, that was that was awesome to see them and the fa- and the, how much they got into it, just trying you know trying to compete with those guys with the you know with all the big schools, if you will. The vein in Chase Colton's neck is still popped from how loud he was yelling throughout that match. Unbelievable the energy that guy played with, and again, we are so grateful to Coach Westerman, the entire UW staff for how excellent they were as hosts throughout the weekend. Uh, so shout out to them. All right, biggest disappointments, Maddie. Give me what's your rundown. What were you upset that you didn't see? What questions maybe do you still have coming out of this event? Well. I'm, I'm going to look to NC State here for a second, and, and let me just clarify. I didn't have huge expectations, right, for the Wolfpack going into indoors. However, they were 8-0, and they were a surprise team. They were playing very well all the way throughout their lineup, singles, doubles, everything, hadn't lost a match. We knew this was going to be a step up in competition, but they played that first match against Stanford, and it was very close. I mean, tough, tough 4-3 loss. That that one really could have almost gone either way. But then really 
what was disappointing for me after that was just the response, right? So they come out on on the next day on Saturday and then Sunday, they they don't get another point. So they lose 4-0 to TCU and then they lose 4-0 to UCLA. That to me was just a little disappointing. I wanted to see them compete a little bit more with some of those other teams and, and just show what they could do because I think NC State deserved to be there. They earned their spot. You know, they won at the kickoff weekend. They, they were worthy of a, of a spot in this tournament. But those last couple of matches, guys, I just – I was expecting a little, little bit more uh, for those. So I think for the Wolfpack, you know, very, very solid team. But, again, maybe not quite as good as we thought this year. I don't know. Time will tell. We'll have to see. And I'll, I'll be watching a lot of them in the ACC. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Certainly, you know, the way they beat Michigan at home 4-3 in yep. retrospect, the jump Styler's taken since then. Like, I would love to see that match replayed again, even on a neutral site. I think I would favor the Wolverines. Um, uh, yeah, that that certainly was one of the takeaways to see the way they lost. I mean, TCU jumped on them 4-0, uh, and that's a credit to the Horned Frogs, but did not expect that weekend for them. Chris, your biggest disappointments coming out of it? Uh, a cup, so I, I got a, a couple, but I'm sure I'm going to let you get, give my my individual one for me because I know it's coming. Um, <laughs> my my team bit disappointment really was, uh, and not so much for the performance, but just the whole package, and that was Baylor. Um, I wanted to see more boy, and 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 it obviously Boyton now ju- just came back. This is the first he's got to play. Always going to come back rusty. You know, was really hopeful that we get to see you know Boyton in prime form, right? Competing, and and it just wasn't the case. Um, and that so when you throw that in, throw that in there, uh, and then they pulled they pulled Dickey the last day. R Y A N Dickey for for, uh, for Gruskin there. But uh, <laughs> you know, just the yeah, it was it's kind of like we still we're still getting the not quite complete. Baylor lineup and I was just you know I was I was hoping really hoping that ah this is the start of you know Baylor's gonna there's no doubt that at some point with Brooksby back that hey they're gonna get on that run where everybody goes ah this is what everybody was talking about we just haven't seen it yet and I was just I was disappointed that we didn't get to see it yet uh yeah that that was no just yeah go ahead just to add to that, especially after they took the doubles point again against Wake, and to lose that match the way they did, they're on my list too. Just Baylor, you know, they, there's no continuity in the lineup. They don't know who's playing where. Uh, there's just not a lot of confidence. And again, Coach Bowling's team is not even close to being the best they're going to be in this 2020 season. No one has written them off because we haven't seen Brooksby yet. Um, but yeah, it was a little disappointing. I would have, you know, it would have been a joy to us to see them hit their stride this weekend. And unfortunately, they just weren't able to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep, I totally agree. So come on, give me my singles disappointment. Well, well, we'll get there in a second because I know what you're going to bring up, and I think I do know. But I do want to talk about one more serious one uh, before we get to that the, the fun stuff. And I think it's Florida's continued problems at five and six singles. With that's, all due respect to Coach Shelton. Oh, is that that's it? That's the one I'm talking about. Oh, I thought you were going to say about Bloom, uh, Blumberg ruining Trevor's club. No, no, I thought no, we were going to get into no, that again. I'm, no, my serious one. It's, it's the disappointment was, yeah. Ingoldson at five, who I've been dying to see play well and be back in form, showed me why they haven't been consistently playing him. Um, 
And and it wasn't just him, right? They played a different lineup at five and six every day. They looked to be really set at who they're playing one through four. And yes, it's different indoors, so it's even more so did they mess around probably with with different lineups. But yeah, they don't they they don't have yet a set five six. So that's that was definitely dis- disappointing. I would I'm hoping obviously you know they get to where they do and it's not a rotating position all season because if you get a couple guys playing really well then it won't rotate anymore but uh yeah that was that was definitely a disappointment florida has too much talent to have brian cernock beat their number five player one in one and then to have their number six player whomever it may be be down six three five four simon sondergaard serving for the match at six they just have too much talent for those matches at a minimum to not be three set matches so I just think it, it's overthinking. When you have nine guys, you don't have six guys, and that's where they're at right now with these Gators team. And we're not outdoors, and they are the most, you know, they are one through 12, the most talented team in the country. And that means something, of course. Uh, but everyone has a Crawford at Riffis that's competing, you know, for a national championship. You're telling me Blumberg Seguin. You're telling me Holt and Kukerman. You know, Ito Siskard. Uh, even Fenty Styler can't compete with Crawford Riffis on their best day. I'm going to disagree with you. Um, but the question is, you know, we thought they were going to differentiate themselves five and six, and they just haven't done that yet. And so, yeah, that's something to monitor because if they can't figure that out, then the the inherent advantage we thought they'd have coming into the year with all of that roster talent, it means nothing, Matt, right? Yeah. No, you guys make, make really good points. I mean, when, when we're talking about the best teams in the country, like you said, Gruskin, the one and two positions, everybody's pretty much got those guys when we're talking about the top five or six teams or whatever. So, you know, we thought Florida's depth was really going to be the difference um, you know, that could propel them maybe to, to a national title this year, but you know, there's still time. I mean, let's see, let, let's get into conference play a little bit, um, and just see how it goes. Because again, there are options. Sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's not such a good thing, but the talent and the players are there. If, if coach Shelton can just figure out, you know, who, who's going to step up and just own those positions. I I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later. We'll find out soon enough. Yeah, that's fair. All right, some other disappointments real quick. The streak I was talking about, Trevor uh, Fauché, Chris's nephew, the only player to play Paul Jubb multiple times in his college career and not lose to him. Will Blumberg ended that streak. Uh, But to quote Trevor, he's in very good company now, so I think that's a fun club. It's now the Blumberg-Fauché club. Uh, I mentioned that I was disappointed that I didn't get to watch more of Columbia. Also disappointed at how weird, Chris, that Ito Smith-Keegan— or Ito Smith, that— uh, Yuya Ito Keegan Smith match was in that Texas UCLA match. I thought we were going to get a really fun contrast of styles, and I couldn't tell you three things that happened in that match because it was like, well, I know Keegan took two bathroom breaks. That's really all I remember. At the end of each set, that's what happened. Uh, but like outside of that, it was just weird tennis. Yeah, Bob, the, uh, I'm with you. I don't remember much other than lots of 40 love games both directions. Uh, yeah, you know. and, and so I just. I thought we were going to get some some meat and potatoes in that. Speaking of things, meat and potatoes. Disappointing we only had cheese curds once. We never also got to enjoy Wisconsin draft breweries. Um, I feel like oh. if you go to Wisconsin, you got to enjoy the beer. Guys, well, I mean, when you're, when, you're, when you're in the center at 7.30 in the morning and the <laughs> finishes at 10.30 at night and, and somehow Gruskin tweets out that, oh, our 12-hour days, I'm like, what the hell were you doing? I was there 14, 15 hours. Uh, 
you know, <laughs> uh, you know, at least Bobby Knight got it right when he said 15 hour days and he was in freaking London. Uh, you know, yeah, there, there was all we wanted to do was grab food, get home and die. actually all we wanted to do was have Westoff grab us food, <laughs> get home and die. And Westoff did that like a champ. <laughs> Yeah, well, A, and again, we'll leave this here. I had other things going in my body. Didn't need that as well. B, um, yeah, like I, I don't count the three hours of doubles points we watch as work because that's just the most exciting part of any match. I'm like, really? Like this doesn't count. Come on, this is a break from all the action. This is too exciting. Um, yeah, and then my last one, because uh, I haven't given this rant yet because I had to maintain a – you know, an illusion of non-bias. But how did Michigan not get over the hump? We were 3-1 up. Beanie was up. Maloney comes back, clinches the doubles point, wins the first set at six. We were so close to the final. What a joke. Like, I know, I know that we had not no business being there, but we beat Texas without Seymour, without a doubles point. Johnston won at three. Beattie won at four. Styler and Fenty knocked off Siskard and Ito. Like, that's not going to happen every day. It's just not. And we got it done. And then we went up 3-1. Chris, I blame you because you were like, you got it. This is probably the first moment when you're like, you got to like being Michigan. This is their chance or whatever it is. And I knew it, and I was thinking it, and I was like, you just put the stank all over them and I had instituted a rule, no more picking Michigan on the podcast because we were tempting the gods and we tempted him just a little bit too much. And in the end, it bit us in the But what a run for the Wolverines. What a run for Coach Steinberg's team. I mean, oh, the fact they're number four right now in the ITA rankings, that's a joke. Um, it's amazing. But like, we almost made the fi- we we were the only team who got three off USC. We had them. We literally had them on the brink, and we couldn't close the match. And Maloney was so close; he dug out of like multiple breakpoint service games. I think he won three deuce points games in a row to get to six all in the second set. That was the tiebreaker. I know Styler came up to a third set breaker, and he had momentum going into that as well. We were so close. I was so ready to be like, I'm calling Michigan International Final. This is such a joke. I was just, uh, sorry. I hadn't gotten to do that yet, guys. So I needed to get that off my chest. Good job, Greskin. <laughs> All right. Well, I mentioned them at number four in the rankings. This is the last thing I want to do with the two of you. Our rankings. And we used to do top ten. I think I figured out the format we want to do because, you know, there's eight teams that are going to host those NCAA round of 16 matches come uh, that time. So let's do our top eight rankings going in. And I like these rankings because we're going to talk about them. I also want to talk about where we're at in terms of who we think the 16 host teams are going to be. I think this will help differentiate, you know, where we're at tier-wise, how many teams we group together versus how many uh, we think are still on the bubble. With that in mind, Westoff, give me your ranking sound effect, please. Let's start with our top eight teams, and let's start at the top, Maddie. Give me—I I think we can all agree—top three: USC, UNC, Ohio State. Yeah, that's going to be the order that I have: USC one, UNC two, Ohio State three. I think you know clearly after this weekend, those are still the best three teams in my opinion. And I do just want to clarify when when we're getting into this, these are going to be my 
Vikings, at least for right now. This is not a projection for the end of the year in yep. May, anything like that. This is right now at this moment, my rankings, USC one, North Carolina two, Ohio State three. I agree, and I think right now, with all due respect to— Well, I would throw Florida in there, but because of some other teams, I'm not going to. I won't include Florida for this second. But those are my three. You know, if they're not top eight seeds, something went horribly wrong this year. Like, those are three super-duper locks, right, Chris? Oh, absolutely. Same order I've got them as well. That's my that's my top three. They're, and, yeah, they're, all, they're already locks, uh, you know, barring— unremarkable number of injuries to the team. Like for USC, it's impossible. They've got too many guys to get that injured. Um, you know, that, and with who they're playing, they, yeah, they're well, good. They better hope Kukerman stays healthy. So well, I don't care. Pull Kukerman Holt. They still probably lose three matches the rest of the year with neither of them in the lineup and end up a top eight. Wow. That's some spice. I like that take. All right. Yeah. So we agree that top three. Now things get interesting. Maddie, your fourth, you want to just go number four first? Yeah, that's sure. fine. Right, I, I've, do it. I've got Michigan. Okay. They earn this. No. Yes. <laughs> yes. I believe Michigan right now is worthy of the number four spot. Look, they made a run. We didn't think it was going to happen, but this team showed me, a lot that I I didn't I I just didn't see it coming. I didn't I didn't know this team could play to that level and, and they, they did it over the weekend. So for me right now, I, I believe with with the body of work that they showed, they are worthy of number four in, in my book right now. Chris, I have my answer first, but you go. Uh my four is Florida. Yeah, okay, good. We're in the same boat. I think Florida looked so good against Columbia. Yeah, UNC blitzed them. But, I mean, Blumberg's win over Crawford can't, like, overstate how just monumental. That just felt like they were UNC was putting their foot on Florida's throat, and Blumberg was like, nope, today's our day. Like, I'm sorry, guys, but we're winning this match, and we're winning it fast. And, by the way, should Blumberg not close that out? I think it was – or who came close at the end? I don't remember who clinched. Maybe it was Rinky uh, in that match where it was close at the end against Volley. I, I, I don't remember. We saw so many matches. Yeah, but, that, yeah. Yeah, that just was on good. talent – on talent and projected schedule, I agree with you. I still have Florida number four. Uh, I do have Michigan in my top eight, is, though. This is not a projection. This is this it's is not. Current. This is right now. I'm saying right now they play. I would still take Florida. I just think what they've done, body of work. I know they lost to Texas, and I know Michigan beat Texas, but just head to head, I would still take Florida right now, even given their form. And that's why I have Florida ahead of them. I have Michigan in my top eight, though, and that's a testament to their success. I have them at number seven. Uh, you're right. They have been. You know, we've talked about them enough. How, how in they the world does in- Gruskin have Michigan below both of us? <laughs> I, I don't because know. I don't want my stink anywhere near them. You guys can take all of the bad chi. I have them above TCU. I, I mean, all right, I'll get to who they have them next. Maddie, I imagine you have Florida number five. Yep, I do. They're still a top five team. They go two and one on the weekend, but they did. Let's be honest, guys. They got blitzed by North Carolina in that match. So, I mean, to me, yes, still a top five team, but I, I have them at number five right now. Yeah, but... I think outdoors, this Florida We're not talking about outdoors. We're not not talking about outdoors right now. We'll get there. But these rankings... These are current rankings. When we get to outdoors, my rankings will change. Well, first of all, we have them one spot of disagreement. It's not like you and I even disagree that much. Um, Yeah, that's fair. Chris, who's your number five? 
I've got Texas at five. Okay, I have Texas at six. I have Wake at five. And let me just make the case. Because Wake looked awful to start this season. I mean, I don't remember who they played in that kickoff weekend. They dropped the doubles point in their first and second match against Kentucky as they, well. They go one and Four two at indoors, and you're going to put them in top five? Yeah, no way. Yeah, because— You're, you're out. I'm, Shut up. You're I'm off enamored. The, off the broadcast. What do you—Maddie, what do you got at six? No, 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 no. No one does this to me on my own podcast. If this was the broadcast, you could. But I'm here on this platform. No thanks, my friend. Uh, No, it's a funny question. So I just – one through six, I mean this roster is stacked, and I see a recipe for them. Banthia, uh, Botzer in a lot of these matches as well. But then, you know, Estaflu, Body Squire looked so good at two. He's a freshman as well. You know, they're going with Nava right now, but they still have Kungu on the bench as well. This team's stacked in singles, and I just – I love – I mean, Brasky, I brought up that point about coach's body language. There is no one I trust more that their team will be clicking come May than Tony Brasky and the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Like, that team comes ready to compete. They dropped that doubles point to Ohio State, and they almost stole that match, and that is a testament to their success. Yes, they ended up losing uh, in that third match to Florida, but their loss in this tournament were to Florida and Ohio State. I put both of those teams above them. I just think Wake, with this lineup, with how much talent they have, this is a top-five team, and they're going to be a top-five team next year as well. So I, I'm re- I think they're about to make a jump. Uh, but, yes, they've lost to Baylor already this season, and, yeah, I, and, you know, they did go one and two here. So I understand why you guys would want to criticize me. Well, you're project- you, said, you just said next year. Wake is going to be a top-five <laughs> team. So what are we talking about here? What do we like? I like Let's them. redo the These segment. These are my rankings. Well, let's yeah. no, no. Let's redo this segment and say, what's our projected rankings for next year? <laughs> <laughs> no, leave it as is. Just leave it as is. I like Wake. I really do like them. That's what I'm saying is watch them sneak into the semifinals this year and don't, it won't no, surprise yeah. I mean, anyone. I, I, obviously, I'm not, put, I'm not putting them where you've got them. I'm not even putting them in the top eight right now. Oh. But, but I will say that when we, when, getting to watch that Ohio state match that I actually picked them to win. And for that reason, and that reason alone was sitting there rooting for wake forest because I just wanted so bad (laughs) for a pick that nobody else saw coming to actually come through. I was like, Oh, come on. You got to do this for me. But, but uh, no, in watching the end of that match, I can see Henry Squire looked so good against Cannon Kingsley that he is going to be, a fun one to watch. Now he's a uh, he's a freshman, so you know you're going to get your typical, I'm sure, freshman ups and downs from him. But yeah, that that could be the key because yeah, body is going to be, if they can keep him at two, body is going to be a solid three. If Stathew is definitely going to be a solid four, and then you're playing you know Nava, Banthia five six or Kangu in there, whoever you know that's it is it is a good lineup. Uh, and I, I would it would not shock me at all. I don't put them in my top eight right now. It wouldn't shock me for them to end up there. Yeah. All right. I'll take that as a win then. All right. My number. Or Chris, you never really gave the case for Texas at five. Yeah. I have honestly, Texas. Well, I I just want to say I have Texas at six. I think it's that they have the top two, and then they have the freshmen at the bottom, so they still have room to get better. That's why I enjoy this team. It's clearly talented. But, yeah, your thoughts on them after this weekend. 
Yeah, I don't. I mean, I put them there, and I put them, you know, a spot above Michigan, even though they lost to them. I, I can't even. I'm not even sure I can defend it. Probably should have had Michigan five uh, and Texas six, but, um, you know, just as as good as they played up until this tournament, and then the fact that in my mind they, you know, that that loss to Michigan was a, and you know they should, you know, they probably could have lost anyway, but Waldy certainly. Um, you know, shouldn't probably have been in there playing. They have the talent on the team. I think, you know, and I sure hope he's healthy. I don't know if this, I'm hoping this is like a, hey, you know, I wear this sling for a week and I'm good to go and not a, it's nagging me for the rest of the year and I'm going to be in and out of the lineup kind of thing because that I think will will actually, you know, play a big a big part of what happens to them in terms of trying to hang on to a top eight uh, seed. But, but yeah, I think they're, they're very talented. And because we got to see both Bullard and Harper and Harper going three and O at six singles, which is where I pick, you know, for their, that's their weak spot, you know, five and six is where you're questioning them. You know what you got at one and two, uh, Spazirian, Waldeeb, uh, at three and four in one order or the other have been tremendous all year. Five and six is the question mark. You know, which Chi-Chi are you going to get? Who's playing six, Harper, Bullard? And Harper comes out and goes three and oh. I, it gives me a little confidence down there. So that that's why I keep them at five. Yeah, that's fair. Maddie. who do you have at? And that's why I have them top six above Michigan. I just think upside that team. You know, they have the depth. They have the top-end talent. They look really good on paper, and they've performed thus far. Uh, who do you have at number six, Maddie? Yeah, I've, I've got Texas at number six. And, and, again, I'm not projecting here. This is just current for me what's going on now. Cleve Harper at six is, is, I mean, he's showing me a little bit more than what I thought, like Chris mentioned. So I think the combination of Ito Sigsgard at one-two, they're showing that they may have a little bit of depth down low in the lineup. Uh, number six, Texas. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right, I mentioned my number 17 is Michigan. We've talked about them enough. Maddie, you're seven? My seven right now is going to be Columbia. So they go Ooh. one, uh, beat South Carolina and Baylor. We talked about are there question marks, you know, surrounding those teams? Maybe a little bit, you know, but again, like like Chris mentioned, you can only play who's in front of you. And, and they go two and one, yes, um, they lose that first match to Florida, who I have at number five in the rankings. So to me, that's not a terrible loss. And this is their time indoors, right? They're, they're, I have them in the top eight right now. You know, later on down the road, are they going to stay there? Most likely not. I don't think so, but we're talking about right now. So I've got Columbia number seven. I think at this point, they're worthy. So I have Columbia nine, and I echo everything you say. Chris, you're number 17. My number seven is Columbia. Wow. You guys are just ahead of the curve right now for all the things Matt said. Anything you'd add? No, I mean, I just think, you know, honestly, I, I had from from five on with Texas, Michigan, Columbia, from there down, they were coming out of indoors. I almost feel like I even have them too low because I've got a bunch of teams here other than Mich- Michigan, who is super impressive, makes me want to put them higher. Texas loses two, right? Uh, Columbia goes two and one. And, no, you know, Texas went two and one. Or I'm sorry, they, they go two. Yeah, they go two and they beat Stanford. That's right. Um, but I just, you know, 
I almost, I still feel like even at seven, I'm underselling them possibly for what they've done so far. We'll have to see how it goes the rest of the way. Like that Texas swing is going to be huge for them, but I mean, no, they've, they've been, they've been great. And as Michigan showed this weekend, that home loss to them was not a bad loss. So yeah, I, I got a number seven. At the point of this conversation, I think we agree. Uh, and I'm going to throw Florida in the locks. Florida, Ohio State, UNC, USC. Those are top eight seed locks. But half of the top eight, still wide open. You could make a case for, as you mentioned, Columbia. I have them nine. Um, here I send Michigan seven. Uh, you know, Columbia, Stanford, Texas A&M. You really could throw them all in that end mix right now. Curious for you guys. My number eight team, if you can't tell, I've been leading to this the whole time is TCU right now. I know record-wise it's not looking good, uh, but I just think coming out of this weekend, that's a team that's going to be competing for a top eight seed, uh, and I, they're just they're the eighth most impressive team for me. Your guys' thoughts, Maddie, then Chris. Yeah, well, there's one thing we a- agree on, Gruskin. I've got TCU number eight as well. And, and this Let's go! Let's go! This was a team that, you know, no, you guys know better than anybody that I've been a little bit down on so far this year. I haven't bought into the hype. I didn't think they were, you know, that great of a squad coming in. Very young with the freshmen. But look, they played USC tougher than I thought they would in that very first match. That kind of opened my eyes a little bit. And then after that, they absolutely smoke NC State and Texas A&M. Um, so for me... Here it is, Coach Rodidi. I'm I'm getting on the bandwagon just a little bit now. Don't don't make me jump off right now. I've got the Horn Frogs at number eight. Chris, your number eight team. Uh, it, it's geez, it's like you just spoiled everything. You both look at my side ahead of time. No. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I've got TCU number eight. All right, I'll take it. Yeah, they were that impressive this weekend. I think that's the and, and why. Why have Gruskin you not gift the Rodini joke yet? I don't understand why there's not a uh, out there. Well, we'll save that for the moment uh, for when people do end up seeing that joke, but that's a West off question. I'll be sure to throw him that as well. Uh, I've been trying not to bother him too much because I think anyone of all of us who deserves a day off, it's Daniel West off him. All right, so those are the top eight. I think we all agree right now, all eight of those teams locks to be top 16 seeds. I would also throw Columbia, Stanford, and Texas A&M in that mix. So I have 11 current locks uh, to host those regions to uh, you know get eventually not the round, the round of 64, the round of 32. Uh, do you think that's fair? I would say those 11 teams, locks, anyone else you'd throw. I have the ones missing on the bubble. Baylor, just because we don't know where their roster's at. Obviously, I think they're going to be top 16. I just can't make them a lock given the body of work. South Carolina, UCLA, NC State, Georgia, Tennessee, Harvard and Cornell, FSU, Duke, Ole Miss, Cal, Texas Tech. I think they're all in a bubble, but I only have 11 locks as regional hosts. Maddie, too many, too few, or just about right? I just get nervous about really saying lock at this point with so much season left. I'm just, I'm not comfortable saying that. So for me, I'm not, I'm not going to go there at all. I I don't want to talk about A&M and Stanford and those teams as being locks. I mean, sure. I I think they're going to be top 16 seeds, you know, barring some, you know, incredible circumstances. But at this point in the season, what's today, February 19th or 20th? Uh, I just, I can't say lock. I, I, I don't want to do it. That's fair. Chris, your thoughts? I think you're, I, I think that's, that, that's fair. I mean, there's going to be a big, 
there's still a big group of teams that can push for those bottom however many spots it is. I think 11 at this point is, you know, that that's fair. Yeah, that's about right. I feel like that's where we're usually at at the year. But it speaks to, again, that cluster from teams 5 to 15 even. I mean, it, it really just depends on the day on the surface, indoors, outdoors conditions, who's healthy, who's not. And it's lining up to be a really fun college tennis season. Again, we cannot say enough how grateful we are to our friends at the ITA at PlaySite uh, for giving us the opportunity to be in the broadcast booth all weekend long to get to chat it up with all of the coaches, all of the fans that were parents that were in attendance. And seriously, a huge thank you to our Cracked Rackets fan, uh, our Cracked Rackets community out there. So many of you came up into the booth come chat with chris and i at various points throughout the day that's how we were able to stay alive during those 15 hour days that was the lifeblood of our trip the chance to get to talk to you fans uh because that's why we do this to try and make that college tennis experience that much better uh but yeah that's the rundown for that we are still every week on our mini break podcast going to be talking about our weekly results the biggest takeaways we'll do our top end eight rankings now from here to the end of the season each and every week it's going to be a really fun season uh any final thoughts matt then Chris before we wrap this bad boy up no guys I'm I'm good to go just once again shout out to both of you for for, for heading up there to Madison oh. did, a, did a great job Westhoff too can't leave him out I mean that guy's uh, to be honest he really is the goat screw you guys I mean Westhoff is the one you know that makes this thing <laughs> that makes this thing go so um yeah no shout out to all you guys good stuff and and we'll keep it rolling for the rest of the year it's almost like he has a f- of an interning job to do or exactly. something. Chris, something yeah, like that. Yeah, Chris, your final thoughts? Yeah, yeah my final thoughts uh, are along the same lines, but I, all I, I have to say that when we got there, it was I was shocked and, and stunned because, you know, I again, we have a, lo- a load of fun doing this stuff, and – I think we do it because we love it and it's fun and we hope to God people are listening and there are at least a few of you getting something out of it. The number of people that came up to us, we were like freaking celebrities when we, when we were, when we walked in <laughs> and, and all the, you know, the fans and the parents, you know, and, and I could never remember them all, but I, you know, I know, you know, Ann Schachter, Noah Schachter's mom. We had the, the Michigan parents, the Beatties and the Johnsons. We had BW Naira come by. We had Mr. Blumberg come by. We had, I mean, all these, all the, all the sea leagues got to give a special yeah. shout out to the sea leagues. Uh, yeah. My favorite, my favorite tennis dad of all time. Now, Mr. Steve, <laughs> who is like, who reminds me so much of myself, like watching one point at a time, turning around and pacing like, Oh my God, I can't take this anymore. And then the next point, And then, I mean, he was, yeah, the tremendous and who shout out to the sea league family. Didn't even know this. How I didn't know this is beyond me. Their son, Connor, Kyle's brother, is the team manager at Liberty for Trevor? How do I not know that? I don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, that's. I mean, that was a blast. And then my last thought was of all, all the coaches. We always have a great fun with all of them, especially historically with Coach Rodidi. Right? He's a he's a blast, and and he's a such. I mean, he's a good guy and lets us lets us pick on him and gives it right back uh, all the time. But by far the most fun I had this weekend. The entire staff from USC. Uh, you know, but Deaton, Deaton Bauman, Chris Quinta, Brett Macy were, you know, just absolutely a riot with us from from day one. And I make a comment uh, during the broadcast day one about, you know, how the hat that he's wearing looks too big for his head. He comes up to me after the match. He's like, hey, 
Chris, my wife uh, texted me. She said, you said that my hat looked too big for my head. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I go, I'm sorry. I'll have to make up tomorrow and, uh, and tell her, uh, you know, I'll apologize to her. And then what happens that night? He starts texting me pictures of hats. What do you think about this one? What do you think? <laughs> Just, I mean, and I get at one point, I get a, I get a hat with a surfer on it carrying a surfboard, uh, which I mean, he just classic. I mean, those guys were a load of fun. I could, I mean, I wish they were the school right next to me that I was out there covering all the time. They, they were awesome to us as were all the coaches, but I had a, you know, special place for, for those guys now. Uh, definitely a huge fan uh, of, of that team having nothing to do with uh, the tennis and the fact that they won just everything with who those guys are and, and, and that how much fun they were. So that's it for me. No, I mean, look, all I'll say is this. They were working us in the booth the entire time, and they ended up winning. So it bodes well to work Chris and I in the booth whenever they're there. But seriously, to everyone at the ITA, thank you to all of them. As you mentioned, shout out to the super producers, Max Schlegner, Daniel Westoff, who killed it all weekend long. But for a, you know, we have hit this podcast. We're at the hour 30 mark. It was really that good of an event. And if you missed any of the action, be sure to check out our website, crackrackets.com. This podcast, the mini break podcast for those daily recaps, where if you want to go look back at specific matches, you can find those recaps there. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, it's all at Cracked Rackets. If you haven't yet already and you want to sign up for our free gear giveaway, John Isner, Steve Johnson signing shirts, courtesy of our friends up at Aerobar, leave a review on this podcast on any of the podcasts you can be entered into that content multiple times but for my wonderful co-hosts matt the cracks to and chris Hallioris, our super producers max fligner and daniel westoff our friends at Aerobar and diadem and from all of us here at both cracked rackets and the tennis channel podcast network my name is alex gruskin maddie chris what do we tell the listeners hey hey great shot, great shot. and we look forward to the rest of this 2020 college season thanks for tuning in everyone